0: Well said, my evangelist. evangelist. The marrieds' ministry is a mess. mess. They're not on fire and they drag us down. down. All these marrieds make me frown. A new song for your church. I was driving down the freeway the other day, and there was this ad, you know, the billboards. And this ad said, your wife is hot. I was like. <laughs> and then it said, call Fred's AC, you know. <laughs> okay. I was like, it's so true. My wife is, huh? You know, the title of our G.L.C. is One in the Spirit. Title of this lesson is Like a Blazing Fire. And all of us in here, Lord willing, are marrieds. One in the spirit, blazing fire, marrieds. I have three points today have a lot of sex. Point number two, have more sex. Point number three, have even more and more often. All the brothers are like <laughs> your wives are going. The oh. brothers like preach it, bro. Come on. Now some of the sisters are like. Those aren't really my points. But I have a question for you: Is your marriage hot? Is your marriage like a blazing fire or do you quench the spirit when you show up? Your evangelist should never be able to say, marriage ministry is so boring, gets me down. You know, you've heard that. You know, we've got the, the teen ministry cranks, the campus ministry, the glory of the ages, the singles, woo, and the marriage. I'm here to tell you today that all the guys that have said that are married. Like, what is wrong with you? And you know what's weird? When the leader starts saying things, you speak it into existence. Next thing you know, the marriage is like, yeah, it's true. We're slower. Things are tougher. We got problems. You know, can't help anybody. Gonna stay home. Gosh, my job. Oh, kick the dog. I mean, Let it never be said again, the marriage is slower. Never be said again, the marriages they're, they're encumbered. You know, the unencumbered youth, the encumbered marriages. They have fewer dreams. I don't believe any of that. I don't believe any of that. And you better not believe it. It is not true. Marriage are like a blazing fire They can set the church on fire. Jesus was married to the church for crying out loud. He was on fire. Song of songs, chapter eight. We are going to talk about sex. (laughs) Song of songs, chapter eight. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Matt. My wife is Helen. And in uh, nine days, we'll celebrate 30 years of marriage. And I always joke about, and she still likes me. Um, believe it or not, I think she likes me more than she liked me back then. That's kind of cool. <laughs> That's cool. Song of Songs, chapter 8. In verse six, the Bible says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. A seal here is a signet ring. The signet ring is a lot like the ICCM ring. It's got a pattern to it and a structure. And when they would put the wax on the letter, they would imprint it and no one could open it except the receiver of the letter, right? So he says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. No one else opens this up but you. That's who you are to me. For love is as strong as death. How strong is death? Raise your hand if you're gonna get out of this alive. (laughs) Death is strong. There's no solution. You're going to die. What if you believe that about your marriage? The love I have is so strong, it's strong as death, it's going to happen no matter what. No matter how you try, you're going to die. I want to think the same about my marriage. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Jealous and zealous is the same word. Zealous for my marriage, unyielding as the grave. It just won't stop. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what happens. I'm on fire," he says. Then he goes and he says, "It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame." You know, it's interesting in the Hebrew here. The word "flame" and "fire" is used like seven times. Flame, 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 flame. <laughs> like, I think he had a point. It burns. What? My love. My love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. How many of you are kind of woodsmen? You've been out in the woods camping and stuff like that? OK, fine. How many of you can start a barbecue? All right. You know, something about starting a fire is you can direct it. You know, when you're, when you're putting the coals on there or whatever you use, you don't just take the lighter fluid and go. You can direct it, you can put it right there. And you know one of my favorite things after you light the coals? Is to grab lighter fluid again. (laughs) Burn a few eyebrows. Like a blazing fire. It can be directed, it can be controlled. But verse seven, many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. You know, in in 1 Kings 18, we find that Isaiah calls down fire from heaven. But before he does that, he puts water on it. Three times, four large jars of water, until it comes down over the offering, over the altar, and into the trench. He dug a trench around it. Why? To fill it up with water. And then the fire came down and burned it all. It licked up the water. It was gone. Evaporated. Many waters cannot quench love because it's like a fire. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of of his health for love, it would be utterly scorned. You can't buy it. It's a fire that burns in you. It's a decision that you have to have. If you want that fire to get hotter, you put more fuel on it. You take care of it. You watch after it. You build it strong again. You find the embers get low and you go build it again. You've lost that love and feeling, oh, that That was a decision. You didn't lose anything. I just don't love her anymore. First of all, excuse my French, but you're an idiot. It's a biblical word. You chose to stop loving him. You chose to stop loving her. You let the embers go out. You didn't stoke the fire, add fuel to the fire. You didn't build it up. You didn't pay attention to it. And it starts going out. And you did it. Is your marriage hot? Even today, if there's nothing left but a tiny little flicker, I believe that the Lord God Almighty can bring it back to life. And you can have the most cranking, awesome, beautiful, amazing marriage ever. But today you have to decide, I am going to walk out of here. It may not happen the moment you walk out, but you've got to make a decision. I'm walking out of here and my marriage is going to be like a blazing fire. People are going to meet me and go, what do you do? Show me what to do. Help me with my marriage. But you've got to decide, this is how I'm going to live. But you know, it's interesting, that's not the text we're going to use. Because I messed up. Turn to Revelation 19. I studied this out for hours, I studied this, I studied that. And I was in Revelation 19 the whole time. And then yesterday I go, oh, look at that verse in song, the Songs. And I realized that as I was looking, I had hit a button on my phone on my Bible app that said, Revelation Only. So I looked up Blazing Fire, and this is what came up. So I have a whole sermon not based on the text we're supposed to use. You still love me? But it's interesting, I think God has a message for you. I would like to take a minute to pray. And then we're going to jump in. But I, I do want to say something to all of you. I, I want you to listen. I want you to listen from the heart. I want you to stop what you're doing right now and engage with me. Because I'm not just going to be preaching words that are my wisdom. I prayed about this sermon for hours and hours and hours. I want to, I want to give to you something that I think God wants you to hear. I, I do think that it's embarrassing that we have allowed ourselves to think of marriage as lesser somehow. It's, an, it's sad. It's, it's a disgrace to think that we've got marriages that people are going, I'm not sure it's going to work. Or, you know, that's just the way we are. I don't believe that. I believe every single disciple, when they get it, When they hold on to what God made marriage to be, something's going to click. Something's going to happen. Something's going to change. But if you don't listen today, I think you're going to miss a message that God put on my heart. So, every now and then I may just stare at you. I may just look right at you. And I was telling Nick this earlier, I'm not just gonna look at you and go, oh, nice haircut, Nick. Cool mercy shirt, Nick. I wanna look at Nick and I want you to look at me and I want you you to understand, I'm looking through you. Not not who you are today, how your marriage is today or the last five years, 10 years, 30 years. I don't care about any of that stuff. And neither does God. And you just, you look through And you go, what are they going to become? How fast are they going to change? And you start dreaming. What's my marriage going to be like? Before we pray, everyone close your eyes. And I want you to think. Close your eyes with me. And I want you to think. My wife is going to love me. With all of her heart. Like a blazing fire. My husband is going to love me. With all of his heart. And here's how it's going to look. And try to imagine how it's going to look in six months from now. And then I want you to think, people are going to be blown away by how much we change. And imagine what that would look like. The closeness that you feel with your wife that God gave you. With your husband that God gave you. And I want you to think about the glorious, amazing, beautiful marriage you're going to have. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning humbled. Humbled by the mistakes we've made. Humbled by the way we doubt your plan. Your plan is genius. Your plan is perfect. Your plan is beautiful. You invented marriage. You came up with the idea to take care of us. You believe it could change the world. You you modeled us around Jesus and the church, God. I pray that today that you would help us to become marrieds on fire. Marrieds that believe what you believe and stop believing what the world believes or what we've believed about ourselves because of mistakes and failures. God, help us to be men and women on fire for you that have marriages that glorify you, that draw people to you, that we can speak life and love and help into other marriages. God, we can be an example that paves the way for the singles in the campus, that the teens would respect marriage and love. Marriage, love the idea. Unlike the world, Father, it's falling apart and Satan is having his way. But God, we refuse to let that happen in your church. Please be with us, God. Help you to understand just how important it is. It changes everything. Please help us have marriages, like a blazing fire. Amen. Amen. In Revelation 19, on, In verse 12, this is what I studied out. <laughs> His eyes are like blazing fire. You notice it has nothing to do with marriage. And I was like, cool scripture. <laughs> his eyes are like a blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has his name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And I studied that out, and I was like, wow, the image of Jesus. This is so cool. I'm going to talk to the marriage about the blazing fire of Jesus. And it hit me, why does Jesus' eyes blaze? Because he's in love with you. He's in love with you. His eyes He's like, look, these are my people. This is my bride. I'm in love with you. I will kill for you. I will maim for you. I will fight for you. That's his love. He'll lift us up. And he looks at you on fire. And I thought, cool, cool analogies for marriage. He has blazing eyes because of the purity that he brings. Does that describe your marriage? Purity. It's pure. Jesus looks at you with blazing eyes and he sees right through the facade. The lies. The perversion that gets in there. And he wants to burn into your heart a blazing fire of purity. Bro, bro, this isn't a singles class. Oh, marriage, I know you. Because I know me. Purity has been a struggle my whole life. The first time I was ever pure with a woman was with Helen. And I know I'm not that good looking, but I actually had a lot of girlfriends. <laughs> Poor them because I used everyone. And Jesus looks at me with blazing eyes and he goes, you're going to have a pure heart. You're going to have a pure marriage. We're going to burn that garbage out of you and you're going to become a different person. And I need it. Jesus looks at us with those blazing eyes and he has power. Power to change you into a different person if you would follow his plan. And he looks at you going, I can change you. You can be different. But we tell ourselves, but it's so hard. I've been like this so long. Garbage. It's a lie. I don't believe it. I don't care how long you've been like that. You can absolutely change and be on fire. Don't believe the lie. The blazing eyes of Jesus are looking at you, believing that you can change. Those blazing eyes have insights. Nothing hidden. He knows everything. It's possible that right now some of you are plotting divorce. It's possible right now that you're not plotting divorce. You're just plotting to be average. Yeah, we'll just get by for 30 more years. What kind of horrific life is that? Do you want to enjoy life? Help me out. Do you want to enjoy life? Do you want to have a good marriage? Do you want to have a great marriage? You want to have a marriage like a blazing fire? Then it's time to remember that the eyes of Jesus are looking at you. He's looking at you to give you love, purity, power, and insight so that you can have a marriage like a blazing fire. You know, I remember uh, taking Helen on a date. Um, She asked me out five times before I ever asked her out. For the rest of my life, I can tell everybody that story. The one good thing I did in my life. (laughs) I finally got a chance to ask her out. But Helen would be booked for weeks at a time. I go, how about this? And how about this? And like three months later, okay, you know. (laughs) Because my wife is hot, amen? Um, (laughs) And we we get on this date. And I had been pretty sick uh, for a while. but. You know, this is before COVID, when everyone freaked out about the sniffles. And uh, I cooked dinner uh, with my roommate, and we had some people over. And uh, after dinner, I mean, I went all out. I cooked a pot roast. I made it from scratch. I went, I mean, and this is kind of before I liked Helen. She was my best friend. She was my best friend. I, I was in her Bible talk. I was in her house church, so they came on over. We had dinner; it was super awesome. And then we got around the coffee table and we played this game called Pit. Has ever seen that? It's a game where you trade cards—you know, corn, wheat, barley—and you gotta, you gotta be aggressive. You gotta go for it. And then it just things are flying around, stuff. People are, everyone's yelling. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll go down. You know, and I'm trying to win. And all of a sudden, I'd leak Helen, and she reached across the table. And you grab a spoon when you're done because everyone might mar- corner the market at the same time. And she was like, got it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and as she grabbed the, the spoon off the coffee table, a piece of wood lifted up and went into her hand. She had a splinter sticking out of her hand about that long. And she's like, I won. <laughs> I'm like, Come on. She goes. And I was like Miss California girl, athletic, blonde hair, blue eyes, super nice. I was like, "What just happened?" That's the that's the night I started falling in love. I go, "This woman's on fire." Then a couple months later, we're on another date. And uh, she she takes me to this restaurant. And I didn't know. I found out later she had asked her dad some advice. Because I'd gone on five or six, seven dates with her, but I liked some other sisters. And I was like, "Eh, you know, she's awesome. She's my best friend. She said, hey, dad, what do you think I should do to get a guy's attention? He goes, red dress. (laughs) So we go on the date. And I'll never forget, somewhere in San Francisco, I'll never forget, I'm eating, I have fish, I'm eating my fish, and I look up and I go, oh. (laughs) This woman is on fire. What do you say? She's my best friend. She's spiritual. She's beautiful. And she's wearing a cotton-picking red dress. I just remember looking at her going, I mean, I swall, I remember swallowing my, my, my fish going, wow. <laughs> that night I went home and talked to the brothers, they go, hey, what do you think? And immediately, bro, she's totally out of your league. I go, I know, I know. Help, help me. <laughs> H- help? <laughs> you know? About a month later, I asked her to be my girlfriend, and she said, Yes! We dated for a year, and for the first time in my life, I was totally pure. Totally pure. We got engaged, we were engaged for five months, and one day, you know, you get engaged, you start getting closer to marriage. I had to focus on Jesus right here. <laughs> I mean, we would hold hands, and I go, "I can't do that. Can't, can't hold hands." One night we said goodbye, and I did one of these, and I go, "Never, never do that again. Never do that again." This is before cell phones, so I got home, and I, and I got home, and I, and I called her. I go, "Hey Helen, um, I got to tell you something." She goes, "Yeah." I go, "I, I." Just can't, I cannot kiss you again. She goes, oh, thank God, me either. <laughs> God gave me an angel, a blazing fire of a woman. Verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting hallelujah, for our God, our Lord God Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. And then I realized I had actually studied the right scripture. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy Point number one, blazing fire to protect and elect. You know, I elected Helen, and she elected me. And I am so honored, I'm blown away with all the garbage in my life for so many years, the faithlessness that he put a woman in my life that was faithful, willing to give her heart to me always. Fine linen, bright and clean. When the doors open on wedding day, I just wept. I remember thinking, this is a miracle. I didn't ruin this one. I didn't mess this up. It's pure. It's righteous. I have hope. We can make it work. When you counsel singles, our campus who are getting married, you tell them, be absolutely pure the joy of seeing that door open, and the purity that happens. And listen, here's the deal. I don't care what happened to you. You're already married. I don't care how it went, good, bad, ugly, and different. I do not care. Today, you make sure that she has fine linen, bright and clean, and you give it to her to wear. And wives, do the same for your husband. Verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, with justice he he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, on his head are many crowns, his name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. All those following Jesus were white and clean. The bride that he had bought with his blood. Bring that into your marriage. The scriptures tell us, wash your wife with the word. And we're so lazy. But wives, if your husband's not washed and you stop being critical. You've got to protect each other. You elected each other. Now you gotta protect each other. I love the image of Jesus here. He's on a white horse. He's coming out to fight. He's coming out to take out the enemies of God. That's gotta happen in your marriage. Do you protect your husband? I mean protect him. You see him struggling, you see him take a second look, you see him being lazy, you protect him. You see your wife not praying, you see your wife being bitter, you protect her. You go after her. Jesus, with eyes like blazing fire, went after you. You go get her. You go get him. You protect what God has given you. Do you love the word? He says here, his name is the word of God. There was a period of time where my, life, my, my wife has always loved the Bible and always been a phenomenal Christian. But I, I, would, I get to preach all the time. And so I studied the Bible intensely a lot. <clears throat> and I found that, that she was a little discouraged about her Bible study. And so she made a decision quite a few years ago to just dig down deep into the Bible. I mean, my wife was a radiant flaming fire before. Then I was like, can't touch this. What the heck is going on right here? And she goes, Matt, I'm going to get my master's. I'm like, hey, amen. (laughs) Helen began studying. See, we didn't go through the undergraduate like the younger people. We had to take the exams. And let me tell you something. I've taken a lot of exams in my life. That is not easy. Some of you are going, oh bro, it's easy. You're an okay, sorry, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. You're not, it is not easy. <laughs> she memorized, she went after it, and something started happening, Helen. I saw her convictions get even deeper. I saw her joy get better. I saw her intensity get more radical. I was like, man, this woman is on fire! And we would talk about it. She'd babe, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? We'd get into the word. We'd dig down deep. Helen knows the Bible as as, as well as any woman I've ever met in my life. Then she goes, babe, what do you think about you getting your master's? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work on it. (laughs) Two years later, I got my master's. I know more, get my master's. And he goes, babe, what do you think about getting the doctor? I'm like, babe, relax. (laughs) Do you know how hard I work already? And she goes, let's both write books at the same time. And the woman that I needed to lead and pull into the word and make sure that she was strong was now setting the pace. I'm like, I got to catch up. And we began to write and work on it, and uh, both of us were able to finish uh, our doctorate dissertations at the same time. And uh, last year, we became Dr. Matt and Helen Sullivan. (laughs) You know, I protected her. She protected me. It, It made me grow. Do you protect your spouse? Do you make sure that they dig down deep into the word? I would argue and I've said this my entire life, if a person would fall in love with the word of God, they will fall in love with God. And if you'll fall in love with God, you will never ever leave. You can't, even if you think about it like I can't, I'm in love with him, like a blazing fire. Do you make sure that your spouse is in love with the word of God? You gotta protect because you elected and you need to have a blazing fire to protect and elect. Chapter 17, in verse 6, it says, I saw that woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore the testimony of Jesus. Everything in this world wants to destroy you. Satan wants to destroy you, wants to destroy your marriage. If he can get you discouraged about your marriage, get your wife down, get you down, all of a sudden he wins. Verse 14, they will make war against the lamb. It's already happening. You're at war. But the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And with them are his cold, called, chosen, and faithful followers. Many years ago, we were considering moving to Portland when the churches had fallen apart in 2002 to four. We came and visited, or we went up and visited Portland and it was an amazing time. We came back home, and we had prayed and prayed and prayed, and we decided to move. But then a couple from the farm movement moved in with us for a period of time. And the husband and wife were both very poisonous in their talk about Kip and Elena. Yeah. Nick and Denise, Tony and Therese, and others. And every day, the wife would pull Helen and say, hey, let me tell you something else. Hey, let me tell you something else and then this happened and then that happened and, and Helen's like wow and this decision we made she started going babe this is scaring me and I have never yelled at my wife in my life and I never will unless there was a fire <laughs> Helen there was a fire brewing in my household some of our best friends that had discipled us and I said, babe, come with me right now. And we walked to the only place because we had three kids running around, and a dog, and there are two kids, and they're a dumb dog, demon possessed thing. <laughs> and so I pulled her into this little bathroom in the front of the house. And I said, without raising my voice, she went, Helen, you need to listen to me right now. You will not talk to her again by yourself without me because she's poisoning you. And this is the end of that. And if you keep talking to her by yourself, I'm going to take all their luggage, I'm going to throw it on the front lawn, I'm going to kick them out of the house. And she goes, I'm going to go pray. (laughs) Helen locked herself in the bedroom for eight hours. I remember sitting in the living room, very uncomfortable. What I <laughs> where's Helen <laughs> praying about casting the demon out of you? Uh, and I'll never forget. I was sitting on the couch, and I hear the door to the bedroom open. And it was down the hall. My wife. And marching down the hall was Helen. <laughs> what happened? And she goes, babe, I totally get it. I studied the Bible, and I prayed for eight hours. I won't listen to a thing they say, because they're totally wrong. We've got to move. Let's go. We're on fire for God. We sold our house. I went up. I stayed for a couple of days with Nick and Denise on their uh, kids' couch, our bed thing. and. I'm this long and the bed was this long, but I slept like a baby. Got a job really fast and we moved one month later. But I elected her, I gotta protect her. She's protected me. Point number two, blazing fire to lead and weed. Chapter 19. Verse 15, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Good grief. That's so intense. But you know what Jesus does as the leader of the family, as the husband of the bride? He leads us but he weeds out of us the garbage that gets in there. Do you see your wife tempted? What are you going to do? Do you see your husband tempted? What are you going to do? You see the sin that's crept in there. Do you stay quiet? Are you like Jesus, a blazing fire with a sword of the Lord? You love them enough to tell them the truth. I want Helen to tell on me when I'm sucking wind. And it happens often. I want to be rescued. I want to be saved. And I've got to love her and lead her. And we weed out the stuff that gets in there. You know, there's a point in time in our marriage. We've been married for quite a few years. It was about 96, 97. We bought a house. We were very successful. Things were going great. We're in Central California, Fresno. We had gone on the planting and were there for 10 years. But my heart was getting hard. I had bought a business and I was running a coffee house called The Daily Grind. (laughs) And let me tell you, it was 90 hours a week. And I was still trying to be a disciple. I I actually had baptized a few people during that time. But I was struggling. Women would come into my place. And I start flirting a little bit. And a sister one day noticed. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, bro, you were totally flirting with that girl. I go, no, I wasn't. She goes, yes, you were. I go, I was not. She goes, yes, you were. I was? She walked out and I go, was I flirting with that girl? And then another woman came in, and I went, Hey, and I went, here's your coffee. I mean, I was like, What am I doing? Can I get open with you? At this time, the internet was really becoming a thing. You know, you, you, you go into a website, like, and I would sit in my office in the back of the coffee house. And I figured out there's this stuff on the internet called porn. And it, 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 it. I remember one time I, I left a couple of my employees and I went down the street and I bought a pack of cigars. I was out back smoking a cigar. <laughs> I love the Lord. Wasn't sharing my faith, wasn't bringing people to church. I had drifted. And all I wanted to do with that business is be successful so I could be rich. Oh, yeah, it was for the kingdom. Anytime a brother tells you that, you just say, sit down and shut up. No, no, bro, it's all for the kingdom. Well, how much have you given? None. Exactly. You're full of baloney. I would come home after... Like I said, it was 90 hours a week, and my business was failing. Failing. Starbucks came to town six months after I opened my store, and they had three Starbucks within two miles of my place. My business went one-tenth of what it was. I'm like, the Lord smote me because of my stupidity. I would come home, and Helen would put the kids to bed, and she would be in the room praying, and she wouldn't hear me sometimes. And she'd be like, dear God. With my husband, God help him, and she prayed her guts out for me. I would catch her in another room with the kids, and she'd be praying for me. And I go, and I'd, she's praying for me, like, What in the world? Stop praying for me, <laughs> gonna have to change. And after seeing this month after month, I remember looking at my wife, going. She's weeding out of my heart the garbage that I've fallen into. She did not criticize me. She did not get down on me. She was not cynical with me. She did not tell me what a failure I was. And let me tell you, I was sucking wind. Financially, emotionally, spiritually, and about ten other ways. And she kept going. She kept digging. So how are you doing? How's this going? How was your quiet time? I'm like, leave me alone. And we were so broke that we're about to lose our house. And she had stopped trusting me about money because I had done some stupid things with money, like buy a coffee house that I didn't have any idea how to run. And after a year of that, one day she came to me knowing that I was struggling. And we had made an agreement. I'm not gonna spend any more than one dollar until I tell you, as long as it takes. She goes, babe, you don't have to do it. I said, no, that's what I have to do because you don't trust me and I blew it. It's my fault. I remember her, after all the prayers and all that stuff going on, she came to me one morning and she said, babe, you need to pray. Here's two dollars. Why don't you walk down to Starbucks and have your quiet time so you can get away from the kids? I remember I took the $2, and I was just like, it's $2. (laughs) But my wife loves me. She was trying to help weed out of me the garbage. I remember walking to Starbucks, that $2 on my hand, going, I have $2. (laughs) And the whole way down, I prayed my guts out. It was the best prayer I'd had in years. I went to Starbucks. I opened my Bible. I had all these people come say, hey, what's this with the Bible? I started sharing my faith. I was reading my Bible. I was on top of the world. I'm like, I'm a Christian again. And then I walked home and I prayed all the way home. And I go, this is what I needed. But the stuff had to be weeded out of my heart. Do you weed that stuff out or do you just let it go? Finally, like a blazing fire, Grow up and show up. Verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he had his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He also had another name, right, that no one else knew. It was just between him and God. But on his thigh and on his robe was King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He embraced it. He matured through the suffering that he went through. He became exactly what he needed to be for his God. But he was not tricked by Satan. Even at the beginning, he goes to pray. And Satan goes, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. Placing doubt in his mind about who he is. And Jesus fought back with the word and he won and came back in power of the spirit and changed the world because he knew who he was, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you know who you are? Brothers, do you know who you are? Are you confident in Christ? Sisters, do you know who you are? A chosen priesthood, a royal nation. A mighty people, God's people, you are flat awesome, you're amazing, you have power to change things. But we believe the lies and we tell ourselves this garbage, yeah, but you suck and you're an idiot and you're stupid, you messed up again. Oh, and Satan's whispering your ear. yeah, it's true, by the way, you're an idiot. And we believe this stuff. And then we take it into our marriage. And I go, how can I help her change? How can I lead this woman? I'm an idiot. I'm a failure. I've blown it. I'm immoral. I'm impure. Replace all that garbage with the word of God. Write it on your thigh. Write it on your robe. King of kings and Lord of lords is my God. You know, for many years, I would preach, and you know, the the evangelist gets up in front of people before a lot more than the wife does, right? People would meet Helen, they would go, oh, you're Matt's wife. She'd go, yeah, yeah, my name is Helen. (laughs) And then she'd come and tell me, yeah, I got introduced by three people to Matt's wife. And uh, recently, it's been, oh, you're Helen's husband. I'm like... (laughs) Yes, I am. I mean, she just wrote a book for crying out loud. And here's what's cool. It kind of bothered her at first, but then she goes, you know what? I kind of like this. I'm I'm Matt's wife, and I'm going to live into that. And and when people say, oh, you're Helen's husband, I go, yes, I am. I'm so proud of that. Because I'm confident in who I am before God. You don't identify me. You don't dictate who I am. My past doesn't dictate who I am. That's not who I am. The failures of last week isn't who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am confident in God. No insecurity will ever build a marriage. Security and confidence in God will build a marriage. Become confident in who you are. Dig down deep and you figure out who you are before God. I was talking to AJ last night. We had a really good talk until about 1.30 in the morning. Love this dude. Hardly know him, but I know him now. And I was reminded of a story because there's some hurts that have happened in all of our lives. There's some hurts he's been through, some difficult, some pain, some darkness that's just, uh. and I say, tell me about it. I told him some things about my life, I said, tell me about it, and he started telling me, and his face changed a little, and I go, mm. and I could, feel, I could feel the pain. I could feel the hurt and the sadness, and the, he was disturbed in his spirit. And I was reminded of a story about this conference a friend of mine went to, And it's just one of these positive speaker type people, but they're very effective and I appreciate what they do. And they use biblical, they just borrowed biblical principles. They just don't know how to use the Bible. They discovered what God created, amen? But it works. And he was doing this seminar and he had a woman in the back and he says, okay, tell me your story, stand up and and tell me your story. I know you're in a lot of pain. She stands up, my mother abused me. I was abandoned. It was so terrible. I became a drug addict, snot everywhere. And he goes, you're a sack of potatoes. And everyone went, uh, not appropriate. (laughs) He goes, tell the story again. She's like crying, snot everywhere. My mom abused me and this happened. I was neglected and homeless and drug addict. And he goes, you're a sack of potatoes. She's like, everyone's like, oh, this is weird. (laughs) And then he goes, come on up front. So she's like, he's totally humiliating me, I'm trying to tell my story. But she comes up front and he goes, Tell the story again. My mom neglected me. I was abused. I became a drug addict. It was terrible. She started crying again Sack of potatoes! And everyone's like, This is weird. But everyone in the audience was also going, I'm a sack of potatoes. When I tell my story, I just become a sack of potatoes. What can a sack of potatoes do? After a couple weeks, stink. (laughs) Rot. He goes, What'd you have for breakfast? What? What'd you have for breakfast? In front of everyone. He goes, Well, I had a muffin with this jelly on it with some butter. And he goes, Okay, did that change your life? She goes, No. Tell the story again. Okay, my mom abused me and I was I became homeless and, um, you know, it was terrible. I became a drug addict and I really blew it. Sack of potatoes! <laughs> what would you have for lunch? I had a sweet potato with butter in it and some broccoli. He goes, did that change your life? She goes, no. Tell the story again. You know, my mom abused me. It was terrible. I can't believe it happened to me. I became a drug addict, but it was my fault. And, and, and my life became a wreck, but it's changing now. And everyone was like, what just happened? There were no tears. There was no snot. We let our failures identify us. Raise your hand if you've messed up in your marriage. If you didn't raise your hand, you just messed up. (laughs) Bonehead. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is us being honest. We're going to close out. This is us being honest. Raise your hand. Be careful. Listen. I need you to be honest. We're disciples here. Raise your hand if those failures, mistakes, and sins have identified your marriage. Raise your hand. Be honest. Be honest. More honest, please. A little more honest. Do you know how I know you're being honest now? Because the marriage ministry is seen as the slow one, the lesser one, the problem one. Because we've been identified by our mistakes, our sadness, our sin. garbage and we started believing it's like a sack of potatoes. That is not who you are. You're a disciple. You know what I find when I really get down deep with marriage? They have humongous, gigantic, enormous dreams. They want to do something. They want to change things. They want to make a difference. They want to make disciples. They want to preach the word. They want to have a great marriage. But they believe the lies, and so they settle. It's time to stop believing the lies. Stop being a sack of potatoes. And look at what God is going to do through you. Jesus knew who he was. He wants you to know who you are so that your marriage can be the very image of the church. When people see you, they go, there's a God, because there is no way that Calder could be married to her. Just no way. There, there is no way Kathy still loves Ted. There's just no Yes, there's a way. How many years, Mary? (laughs) 42. Kathy, do you still like him? More than ever. But what if Ted believed the lies? Be an average marriage. Be okay. They might survive, might even sneak on into heaven, but never going to make a difference. I want to give you four practicals that I need you to take home with you. Number one, be intimate daily. Amen. I got six amens. Didn't listen to anything I said. Okay, maybe, maybe you're thinking about something else because we've been talking about your identity and, and fighting, overcoming, all this stuff. I'm going to say it again because this is part of your identity as a married. Bible says marriage should be honored by all. If all the singles on the campus go, they never have sex, they don't want to get married. So let's go after it again. You ready? Brace yourself. Be intimate daily. Now. Some of the wives are going Ain't getting none of this. You have weaponized sex because you don't protect and elect, you don't lead and weed, and you need to grow up and show up. Can I just be one more, little deeper here? Every day, you ready for this? You're going to be uncomfortable. Every day, Helen goes, do you want to? do you still love me (laughs) that took some years to get to that place because it was like this I'd be like hey (laughs) and she'd go again yeah And then, then it was this one. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and I was like, babe, we got to we got to work on this. Something's weird. Every time I ask you it's like, <sighs> okay. Am I that bad? Is it that? I read some books or something. I don't know. <laughs> And then she goes, OK, the Bible says, do not deprive each other. How about this? So that you don't feel weird, how about I ask you every day? And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria. Um, so now, many of you, when I said you're going to be intimate daily, you said amen. Amen means so be it. Raise your hand if you said yes. Raise your hand if you said we're going every day. Some of y'all are kind of. Okay, put your hands up. Nick, I blew it. I'm not kidding, only about half the room raised their hands. This is why you have problems. You won't listen. But he disgusts me because he wants sex so much. Give him more. But I don't like the way she stopped talking. Every day. You know something that's amazing about when you do something every day? You get really good at it. We'll just park it right there and go to the next one. Number two, pray together daily. Now, i got to be open. This is the one that I, I mess up on a lot. Helen is a strong, powerful, amazing woman. And she doesn't need me. Helen doesn't need me. Like, oh, poor, dainty little Helen without Matt, She's a waif. <laughs> she doesn't need me. You know what Helen is? Helen wants to need me. I like that. I don't need her. Three people just fell away. (laughs) I have five shepherds lining up to talk to me. (laughs) Here's what I mean. I was a fired up, sold out, radical disciple before I met Helen. And I was pure. I don't need that. I want to need that. So I find that quite often I go, Helen looks like she's doing pretty good. I don't need to pray with her. She'll be fine. And then sometimes we talk and I hear the sadness and the sorrow and the struggle and the pain. I go, I've I'm, I'm, got to change this. Yeah. On, so I will say there's been some advancement. We pray together more often. But I want to pray together daily. Amen? Yeah. Number three, share together daily. If you're not together, make sure that he shares. Make sure that she shares. Sometimes Helen's giving me one of these. Hey, babe. I'm like, ooh, okay, hey. <laughs> you know? And every now and then I'm like, babe? And it just and afterwards we both go, man, that was awesome. You feel connected. You feel like I'm in the battle. I better shut up. Um, and lastly, I want to ask all the marriages to commit to pray and fast. Maybe pick a day, pick once a week, once a month, whatever you have to pray and fast till December 31st that, that you can be fruitful. That was worse than the sex thing. I'm going to ask you, will you make a decision? I'm going to pray with my wife. We're going to work on it, and we're going to beg God to use us to help someone become a Christian by the end of the year. I want to share with you the power of what that decision will do. In this room right now, there are 550 people. You know, the bummer is it says 551. So I was like, what, marriage class? Anyway. Uh, 550. If you go after that, do you realize that, that this group right here, that group we sang about in the beginning, marriage ministry, is a mess? Not on fire, they drag us down, give those marriages, they make me frown. That's over. 550 people saved by the end of the year. Don't you dare tell me that the ministry of the marriage is slow. I've been slow, but I'm taking it on, and we're going to change it. Today, let's have marriages that are blazing like a fire. Amen.